but it got to a point where I realized this isn't me, you know, you know, trying to drive a Range Rover and make millions of dollars. That's not me. And I, I you know, after doing those things, it's, it's when you realize that's not you. But before you, you get some of those things, you, you're like, ah, oh, I'm still fighting. So I woke up one day and realized I'm not happy. In fact, I'm miserable at this job. And so I'm going to go find who I really am. And that's why I went out into the world of online marketing and started writing books. And so I've finally written the book and I'm in the phase of my life where I'm using all of my God-given gifts to help other people as opposed to just chasing after money. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world, others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and I am live on the line with Dr. Pele. Are you there, Dr. Pele? Yes, I am. Awesome. So glad to have you here. Um, this is actually a return interview. I got the chance to be on your podcast, the, uh, the Happiness Podcast, which was super cool. Thanks for that experience. And now we get to go the other direction. So for our guests who don't know you, I'm going to actually read your bio a little bit because it's super cool. I normally only go through a little bit of the bio, but I actually, I read your whole thing and I thought it was a really cool story. So I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing for our audience so they can sort of get an idea of where you're coming from. Uh, which is cool. So Dr. Pele is a best-selling author, musician, host of the Profitable Happiness podcast, um, which I suggest you check out if you're listening, um, where he features the stories of highly successful executive experts and entrepreneurs. You were born and raised in war-torn Africa refugee village, um, named after Pele of Brazil, the greatest soccer player on earth, whose influence was so great that it stopped a bloody civil war. Dr. Pele inter um, internalized his namesake, simply a powerful secret of success, practice and later transformed it, developing unique skills in art, music, writing, and inspirational speaking. Um, and you have experienced firsthand the struggle and victory of starting from humble beginnings to eventually living the American dream, which is really a cool story. As a young child watching bombs drop death and destructions all around his refugee village, Dr. Pele remembers how his mother used soothing power of songs and stories to bring him happy. Um, soften the pain of hunger and chase away the fear. Many years later, halfway around the world, Dr. Pele has repurposed his lifelong passion for music and storytelling toward the world of business where he created Profitable Happiness, a signature process for helping people find success where happy meets purpose. Uh, anyways, I just wanted to get through that story a little bit because <laughs> don't often have people who've had such a dramatic change in their life from living in a refugee um, city with war to where you are now. Um, so before we actually like, get into your story and your origin story, what we, do, we start the, every episode off is what you're known for now, right? What's your business like? What do people hire you for? What is it that people come to Dr. Pele for? 
Well, wow, Richard, thanks for that uh, very cool uh, introduction. So <clears throat> today I'm an author and uh, a trainer and a coach. And the people who hire me are chief learning officers or chief human resource officers in large corporations that are concerned with improving the efficiency and profitability of their business, their teams. Um, I'm writing a book right now, I'm finishing it actually next month, called The Seven Songs of a Successful Team. And it's a leadership parable that really marries music with teamwork in the sense that um, we look to how music creates harmony as a way to create harmony on teams. So I'm really excited about that. And that's uh, the work that I do today. Awesome. So you work mostly uh, with human resources and helping larger companies really, I guess, bring harmony to their teams, which is a, a important task because without yeah, the teams, yeah. they can't, uh, can't move forward. Yeah, it's basically, you know, a lot of these companies um, get so sort of stuck in the what do we need to build and what do we need to execute in the marketplace? And they sometimes forget who needs to do the building and the executing, which are the people. Um, a lot of companies say, you know, people are our greatest asset, but uh, it's that rare company that can really double down and develop their teams and their people to the point where they can be that great asset. So that's what yeah, I yeah. said. I remember uh, one of my, uh, my mentors in um, one of the companies I worked for telling me something that shifted my mindset a bit on that. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, he, uh, you know, most business they, you hear, uh, you know, customers always right. And um, he changed my mindset on that. And he was like, it's not, you know, it's not that the, the, the customer isn't always right or something like that. That's a good mindset for dealing with customer service. He's like, but in your company, your employees are always first right? Mm -hmm. Your customers are never first. It's always your employees because without your employees, you don't have the customers. Exactly. Um, and so he, he taught me how, um, like how they managed and dealt with their employees um, was all the way down to like, they made sure they had six, like if, if nothing else, they had six months worth of payroll in the bank, right? Because if nothing else is going on, they're going to make sure their employees get paid before anything else happens. Um, and so stuff like that. And it was, uh, it's, it's definitely understanding the importance of your team and making your business run. Absolutely. Cool. So, um, I want to get actually get into your story a little bit and talk about it. Right. So we call this the origin story, right? Every hero has their origin story. It's where you started to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them to help other people. Where did you start to develop or discover the value you can bring to this world? How did this entrepreneurial journey start for you? Well, I got to tell you, just yesterday, I uh, turned on <clears throat> CNN and I saw a story that said, Pele, the greatest soccer player on earth, is uh, depressed and um, reclusive. His son said that he's depressed and reclusive because he's old and has a lot of pain and, and he's really struggling. He's about 79 years old, almost 80 years old now. Um, and it was just such a, a sad thing for me to read. But, you know, reading a few of the paragraphs, I found something I never knew about him. Apparently, the greatest soccer player on earth, Pele, he was asked what he, would, what he really loves to do, and what he would have been if he hadn't been Pele, the great soccer player. And he mm -hmm. said he would have been a musician. <laughs> That's, That's what cool. I am, right? Um, yeah. um, he, he said he would have been a, he plays guitar and he would have been a singer songwriter. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never knew this. But the reason I, I tell you that story is because, you know, 
when those bombs were falling in Africa, um, actually in Biafra, uh, it was a civil war between Nigeria and a breakaway country called Biafra. And for three years, millions of people were dying and children were starving and we were hopeless. We were living in refugee camps. But during that same time, my father, um, who was a great soccer uh, fan, great lover of the great Pele, who had just won two World, World Cup uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, victories, yeah. my father decided that his method of sort of predicting my future for me was to call me Pele, to call me, uh, to name me after this great uh, uh, man. And I have never been able to play soccer. I am, if you put me on a football field, I am going to score in the wrong direction. I'm just warning <laughs> you right now. Okay. That's how bad it is. But when you give a child a name like that, Pele, it's like calling your, your son, Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a tough, that's a tough one. So I've lived a lifetime, literally, in which I was never going to be that which my name said I was, which is the greatest at this or that. So mm -hmm. for, for some reason, it pushed me into really being very good at whatever else I did. So I have been, I'm an artist. I have been, um, I, I am a musician. I'm a songwriter. I've had billboard charting uh, songs, um, EMI records, major record labels. Uh, for anyone who's from the 90s, I produced a guy called Alexander O'Neill, who's one of the people responsible for the Minneapolis sound next to Prince and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. So, I mean, I've done some big things in music. Of course, I've, I'm an educator. I, I have a PhD in organization and management. And so I've done the whole vice president, of, vice president of human resources thing and vice president of training thing. So I've been lucky to do all of these things. And I always take them to the, to the nth degree because excellence is the only goal that I understand for whatever reason. And it started from being named after someone that I could never, ever be as good at. at. Um, so I, I feel blessed that my father did that because he himself was a PhD and he gave me a really high bar to, to try to attain in my life. So that's, that's oh, why. So it, it worked then, right? He, uh, he, he gave you a bar, set it really high and you've lived up to it. I, well, but not as a soccer player. And so that's why not I was, as a soccer player. Yeah, that's why I was so happy. Well, you know, Pele is getting old, but it was just such a mystery to me, a powerful revelation that he is a lifelong musician who wishes he could have been a, a singer songwriter musical star or something like that that's <laughs> really amazing. cool yeah so when when did you make the transition from from doing you know singing and songwriting and working in the big big corporations as the you know hr director stuff like that to being an entrepreneur where you're on your own and running your own business well this is uh probably close to, to a decade ago now right um you know we're talking nine ten years ago but you know, I had already done the music production thing. I had already tried that. And then I went and got the PhD thing. And then I was doing the corporate thing. But it got to a point where I realized this isn't me, you know, you know, trying to drive a Range Rover and make millions of dollars. That's not me. And I, I you know, after doing those things is, is when you realize that's not you. But before you, you get some of those things, you, you're like, ah, I, I'm still fighting. So I woke up one day and realized I'm not happy. In fact, I'm miserable at this job. And so I'm going to go find who I really am. 
And that's why I went out into the world of online marketing and started writing books. And, um, you know, every book I've ever written is really me capturing the problem I'm trying to solve in my life. And I go do the research and write the book. So, um, so I have five books later, actually, this is my sixth book. I finally found myself and, and who I am, not surprisingly, is a musician and a trainer. You know, I'm an educator and a musician. And so I've finally written the book and I'm in the phase of my life where I'm using all of my God-given gifts to help other people as opposed to just chasing after money. That's, a, that's really an awesome place to be. I know it, like a lot of people never get there. So just as someone who's been to that point in your life where you're like, I, I'm actually using my gifts the way that I, I feel like they're supposed to be, what is that like? for people who are on that journey and not there yet, right? Give you know, just some hope. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, uh, Richard. It's, it's, uh, it's a really good question. So one thing I, I can say is, let me just build some empathy into this. I have been there in terms of, you know, waking up on Monday morning and not wanting to, not wanting to go to work because yeah. that cubicle they've got you in is killing you. <laughs> um, or, you know, maybe working so hard and getting, you know, maybe getting a new client and just realizing I don't even like what I do. So all of those things, in my opinion, based on my life learned lessons, all of those things coming, come from not having found alignment between who you really are, right? Like your personality, your strengths, your skills, your interests, who you really are and the things you do in the world. And so, much, so, many, so many of us are stuck in taking pieces of who we are and being forced to go do these things in the world because somebody's gonna give us a salary. I mean, think about it. It takes only an hour sitting in front of a few people at, very, at a very good you know, uh, uh, you know, interview, right? It takes maybe an hour and a nice little piece of paper that says you're a great person to possibly go from making $0 today to making $150,000 tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's the big, that's the big, I don't want to call it a scam, but that's how easy they make it look. But in reality, it's never that easy. And just as easily as you got that $150,000 over a one hour interview, you could lose it if your boss fires you. <laughs> yeah. And you go from $150,000 to Nothing like that. And that, I've been through all of those phases. So for me, the hope in the world comes when you say, okay, who am I really? And what I did to start that journey was I took a personality test. Um, it's actually called a Berkman for anybody who's into that kind of stuff. And it's funny, this personality test showed <laughs> that on a scale of all of my interests, the number one interest was... Um, music. <laughs> and yeah. so here, so here I am, the data is telling me that I need to be doing something involving music. The next one was, was literature. So storytelling, writing books. Yeah. The yeah. next one was persuasion. And the only one I was sort of using back then was persuasion uh, because I was in marketing or something like that. But I, you know, basically the data was telling me that you will never be happy until you do what you love right? Until you, and look, I want to be careful not to tell people, follow your passion blindly. You know, a lot of people say this, follow your passion thing. And I actually don't believe it quite that way. What you have to do is follow the part of your passion that makes sense in helping other people. 
So if you're not helping other people, you're just following your passion. Uh, you know, you might not get where you want to go, but it's, wait, but it's when you help people with your passion that you get where you want to go. The more people you help, the more success you find. So the hope I would share, Richard, uh, back to your question, the hope I would share is do some research into yourself. Like, who are you really? Like when you wake up in the morning, what is the best and most powerful vision of yourself that you see? And then just go after that thing with everything you've got. And then make sure that as you go after that thing, you're helping people along the way. Because it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't get where you're going by helping only yourself. So that's kind of what I've discovered. That's, that's a fantastic answer. I love it. Um, and just to, to further your point on the, the whole passion discussion, because I think, I think we have a, a, a great disservice happening in the entrepreneurial space where people are saying, just you know, go out and follow your passion. Um, and it's, it's one of those, it's such a contrite thing that people don't always know what it means and they don't know where passion comes from. And passion is not a, it's not an origin, right? Passion is something that is developed. Um, and I believe very, very strongly that mastery is what creates passion, mm -hmm. right? So the better you get at something, the more mastery you have over it, the more passionate you become about those things. Um, and you really can, you can develop passion by developing skills. And to your point, when you are providing value to someone, that's generally be coming from a skill set you've developed over the years. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's a valuable discussion to start looking at, okay, what are the things you're passionate about and realizing what are the skill sets that empower that passion? And then how do you use those skill sets to help other people? Absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing that, that I think I would add to what you've just said is tell yourself a different story. You know, tell yourself a different story than the one that's being told to you right now by two people, the world and yourself. So the world is telling you, oh, you're not, you're not rich enough or you're not this or that enough. You know, it's like the world is putting you down and then yourself is putting you down even more. Um, yeah. stop all of the stories that are being told to you and create a new story. So what I did, and I actually wrote a book about it called the story of you. What I did was I created a brand new story for myself. Um, and I actually learned this by, um, giving speeches at Toastmasters. I, I was a, a, a regional champion of Toastmasters for a while, uh, in Minnesota, um, many years ago. And, you know, one of the things they help you do is they, they teach you to have a, a, stump, a stump speech, like the speech you would give in the elevator or somewhere else, you know, create a story about yourself. So I did. And the story I created about myself had to do with that war in, 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 in uh, Biafra, the, the, the civil mm -hmm. war, and it had to do with a very simple and powerful thing that happened to me. And here, here's what it is. When my mother uh, rather, when the bombs were falling and we were all running and afraid and, you know, skinny and, you know, afraid of dying every day, my mother did the most amazing thing. She would sing to me. She yeah. would sing songs about food. And, and magically, I, I have this vivid recollection because I know all the songs she used to sing. I still sing them today. Um, I have friends who know those songs because I've always sang those songs. But those songs gave me the food that I needed. It gave me the happiness that I needed. And I learned from that experience that in life, you don't become successful first and then hope to be happy. 
in life, you become happy first and the success will follow. That was the lesson I learned from my mother singing me those songs. And so I read, even though I was in the midst of being told by the world that I got to go out and make a lot of money and copy everybody else and be something else, I stuck to my little story that said, hey, there's something called happiness that can be profitable as opposed to we all got to go make the money first and then maybe we become happy. No, no, no. Let's start from happy, right? And so I started writing songs about that happiness. I wrote a whole album and, and I'm now turning that album into the book that I'm writing right now. So I've been recycling that one little story about myself from my true life and I've been using it to invent my future. So what you do is you look at your past, you find that really cool story. Everybody has one that is your defining moment, the thing that just be, made you who you are. And you, you take a lesson from that and you use it to, to redesign your present and design your future. That works because I've done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a powerful thing. One of the things that um, I talk about all the time is that uh, we as human beings are story-born people, right? And we, like, it, it just if you, if you want a, a really good way to think about it, just to prove to yourself that we are story-born people and how important the stories you tell yourself are, just look at how you judge relationships, right? And the judge the depth of a relationship. So like you can, you know, an, an acquaintance is someone whose name you know, but whose story you don't, right? A friend might be someone whose name you know, and you know a little bit of their story. A close friend, someone you know their name and you know a lot of their story, but a best friend is someone you know, you know all of their stories. They couldn't even surprise you anymore, right? The only way that you could deepen that relationship is to go out and create new stories together. Right. And so we, we judge our relationships and the depth of our relationships based on the stories we tell each other. And so it stands to reason then that if you want to improve yourself and to make yourself better and to understand yourself better, it's going to start with your story. Right. And the story you tell yourself and the story that you use to, uh, to tell other people about yourself. Richard, I got to tell you, that's a book you just wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What you just said is a book. I mean, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm visualizing all these levels of stories that define relationships. I think that was just beautifully, beautifully said. Thank well, you. maybe we'll have to uh, hop on later and you help me outline it, get it write a book about it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, the stories you tell yourself are, are, uh, are very, very powerful. And, you know, just to your point, you know, story that I remember that was a defining moment for me. Um, I remember, um, I was 15 at the time, mm -hmm. I think 14 or 15. And we had, uh, where we lived was what they call a bedroom community, meaning, you know, suburban, right? So, you know, all the, uh, the people worked in the big cities and we lived in the suburban area and mm -hmm. right behind us was the wealthy community and the wealthy community had all the giant mansions in it and stuff. And mm -hmm. I had uh, gotten a motorcycle to get myself to school and back. And after school, I used to go and drive through the, uh, um, the wealthy community where the cool big houses and mansions were. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in, in my head, I, I used to, I just like to go look at them because I thought they were cool. And I wanted to, at some point place where I could buy one, I could afford something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember coming home one day, um, and cause someone had seen me and invited me to come and like, look at their house and it was yep. super cool. 
Right, I got to see it all and I got home and I told my dad all about it and I was super excited. I was like, hey, I got to go walk through this big mansion, right? It's like a $20 million mansion and see the whole thing. Yeah. And my dad's message to me, he was like, that's really cool that you got to do that. But he said, don't get your hopes up. Uh... And, and I remember it was a defining moment for me because I immediately rejected that thought. And I was like, wow. that's, not, that's not me right? Yes. I'm not the person who's not going to give my hopes up. And I told him that at the time. And I was like, mm -hmm. he was like, no, I'm, I'll be the kind of person that by the time I'm 30, I could afford a house like that. Wow. Right. It took me till I was 34 <laughs> to be able to get to that point. <laughs> but, but, the, but if you didn't uh, have that goal, you wouldn't even be there at all. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a, it was a story that I told myself. Um, I was like, I, and I'm not the kind of person who gives up hope, right? Yeah. I will have hope in the face of, you know, of, uh, of other things. So it's a story that I've told myself for a long time, um, you know, that you can, you can achieve whatever you want, right? Yeah. If you have the hope and the drive to do it. Yeah, no, I, I have, I have a story, a parable that I've told myself, I, I basically invented this. And it's, it's been my story. Uh, in addition to the other one that I just told you, here's another one. Um, and I, the reason I'm remembering it is it sounds very similar to what you said. So I have this parable that I tell about um, two people who were very young and they grew up right next to a hill. And mm -hmm. at the top of this hill was a beautiful mansion. And it had always been their dream to, you know, play music inside that mansion and to live in that mansion. But of course, we all know that it takes a lot of money to buy that house in the mansion. And so as these two people grew up, they made different decisions. One of them decided, you know what, I'm going to take my guitar and I'm going to go sit at the I'm going to climb this hill and sit at the foot of that house. And I'm just going to play my guitar on the street. Come what may, we'll see what happens. The other guy made a different decision. He decided to uh, uh, go down into the valley and become very rich. Uh, he was going to go to Harvard. He was going to meet all the right people and just become very successful financially. His idea was, when I get all that money, I'm going to come back and buy that house. And the other guy's idea was, well, I'm just going to play in front of the house and maybe somehow I'll get into that house. Well, 30 years go by. Um, guess what happens? Well, what happens is that the guy who went to the valley to become very rich did not become very rich because you know what? Life happens. We don't always get what we think we're going to get, right? And the guy who went up to play right in front of the house also did not become rich just by playing in front of the house. But when they met again, something interesting happened. The person who lived in that house saw the guy playing outside and said, I love your music. Come on in and play. <laughs> That's the story. Because who's, the other guy didn't know how to play music anymore. He had spent 30 years trying to make money. But yeah. the guy who kept to his dream at least made it possible to be discovered. And the rest is history. So, you know, I have always played music, never left it. You know, you can see my guitar right there. Um, and 20 years ago, maybe I wanted to be a music star, but nope, didn't make that. But I kept playing my music. And now here I am integrating music into a new book that is not, it's a, it's a novel idea, this idea of borrowing harmony from music to create better teamwork. That's not really been done. I'm so yeah. like passionate and proud of it. And the only reason it could be possible is because I kept the dream. Stuck to your life. dream. Yeah. Stuck to your dream. Cool. So I want to talk a little bit about your superpowers, right? 
And I love the, the framing for this, right? So superpowers are what you do or build or offer this world that helps solve this problem for people, right? Things that you use to help slay the world's villains. But what I want you to, the way I want to frame it is I, you probably have a number of skills, right? You've already mentioned music and teaching and persuasion and other things. The skill that I'm looking for is the thing that, that empowers the rest of them. The, the common thread that you see that, that sort of holds up and supports all of the skills that you have. What would you think that superpower is? Wow, interesting. You? So, you know, I wonder if it's my superpower or the superpower of those who have supported me um, or a combination thereof. You know, I know that there have been times in my life where I lost everything. And if it weren't for my mother when I was very young, as I've talked about, or my wife, who is my wife now of 17 years still, um, and some really good friends in the world. Um, so I almost wonder if relationships aren't that one thing that we all have to have as a superpower, because if we rely only on ourselves, it's going to be rough. But if I were to boil it down to something I've done, um, I would say that I've been lucky to be able to do what I call hard, H-A-R-D, you know, get through mm -hmm. life, even though it's H-A-R-D. You know, a lot of people say that life is hard. I prefer to say that life is H-A-R-D, how adversity reveals destiny. Okay, H-A-R-D. Nice. Now, what I've been able to do is whenever something goes wrong in my life, I seem to have the ability of holding it very tight, <laughs> holding on to that adversity, and allowing it to reveal my destiny. And so, you know, why am I writing a book about how music helps people become happy and profitable at work? Well, it goes all the way back to my first adversity. And I've done that every single stage. Look, I had a boss once. Uh, I was, you know, big, big shot at some company, lost it, lost, I got fired from a $150,000, $180,000 job. Next day, I'm making $0. And my boss said to me, you know, play, you know, here's your problem. You are bad at patience, uh, loyalty, and teamwork. Basically, I'm not good on his team. You know, he, he gave me a list. And I hugged that adversity so tightly. And that was, that became my next book. You know, um, the, the story of you, um, you know, how you can, just use your past story to overcome what everybody says is wrong about you and make it a good thing. So I think if anyone out there is listening and wants to know how they themselves can be or have their superpower, as you, as you, as you say it, is look for your adversity. Look for everything that's ever gone wrong in your life. And I want to bet you and guarantee you that if you look hard enough, on the flip side of that adversity is your destiny. You just have to ask those questions. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's looking at one of the things that, uh, that, that I, I believe pretty strongly is that your, um, your story, the reason it's valuable is because not, not necessarily because of the things you've gone through, but because of the perspective you develop because of those things, right? Your, your person, your story is valuable to other people because you get to bring with it your perspective and that perspective is unique and that perspective is powerful and that perspective can help other people when you share it. Right. And to your point with your story. Absolutely. That's it. <laughs>
<laughs> awesome. So I'm talk a little bit about fatal flaws, right? So fatal flaws are um, things that have held you back from growing your business the way that you want to, right? Just like Superman has his kryptonite or Batman's not actually a superhero, it's just really dedicated ninja guy, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, you're you're um, something that you've struggled with, but more importantly, how have you been dealing with that fatal flaw for people who suffer from something similar in their life or their business and growing it? Yeah. Wow. You you really ask great questions, Richard. I just want to let you know that um, <laughs> my fatal flaw would have to be I'm a do-it-yourselfer DIY. Um, I've been blessed with a lot of skills. I mean, I do everything from website building to, <laughs> um, I, I, software programming, <laughs> online marketing on LinkedIn, programming bots, all kinds of stuff. And it's like, I have not been the best builder of teams delegating, uh, you know, it takes a lot to to start a company and bring other people to do things for you. So I always default to just doing it myself because it's easier and I can get it, get things done. And I know that that's held me back, but I'm willing to be, I'm okay with that because at the end of the day, I have to write my book. Okay. I have to, you know, I have to say, okay, who am I really? There's some things you got to do yourself. But if yeah. I, if I, if I get to the point where um, I can begin to delegate, uh, I will do that very well now because I know that's a, that's been a problem of mine. Even, you know, I think that's the best way I can say it is that relying too much on myself and my own skills versus building networks of other people who can do things for me, that, ha that has not served me well. I've, I've been too, too much a, an artist and a doer of my own, my own art. Yeah, that's, that's a thing that I, uh, I suffered with for, uh, so, you know, same, same basic problem, right, for nine years in my business. And yeah. it was just this last year that I made a, a major shift mm -hmm. and uh, started hiring people. And the, the changeover for me was changing the question that I was asking myself. Right. And you actually said something just a second ago that was basically it frames the question that I was asking myself all the time. It's like I have a task sitting in front of me. Mm -hmm. And the question that I would ask myself all the time was, does it make more sense for me to do that task or to hire someone else to do that task? Mm -hmm. And in my head, the way that conversation goes is if I hire someone else, I have to train them. I have to, I have to find them. I have to hire them. I have to train them. I have to get them to do the task. We have to go back and forth. There's going to be problems. Eventually it'll get done. Yeah. We'll have to go back and forth with it. And if I just did it myself, I don't have any of that upfront time. I can just get it done. So from a speed of money standpoint, the answer to the question was always do it myself. Yep. Right. And so the problem I realized was that I was asking myself a poor question, right? The question I was asking is, should I do this myself or should I hire someone? Mm -hmm. And that question got me a poor answer and it kept me poorer, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I um, started shifting the question that I was asking myself. And what I did for me anyways, was I, I was like, I hired someone for part-time, right? I had, I paid for 20 hours of their time and I did that every week. Um, and he's actually my, my first employee, my VA. Um, he's a great guy. He'll be listening to this. I, I could not survive my business without him. Um, <laughs> but anyways, he, uh, um, the, what that did was it changed the question, right? So in my head, the question became, 
how can I take this task? What, you know, what tasks can I take off of my plate and put on his, right? Because I've already paid for his time. Yeah. I, um, and that question is a completely different question and it changes the answers you're getting. And in the next three months, I, you know, uh, tripled my revenue, right? Yeah. Because started changing the question, framing it differently for myself and you get different results. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And actually I'm on, I'm on that journey of, you know, reinvention right now, as I've mentioned already, and I'm already seeing the fruit of asking different questions, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for a while, my question was how much money can I make? And uh, you know, how much success can I acquire for myself? But I switched that. Um, part of it is because the online marketing world is brutal. You know, um, yeah, you, might, you, you might be an expert at this widget today. Trust me, you can sell it today, but by tomorrow, everybody's going to know what that thing is and they're going to be selling it and claiming they've made million dollars just like you did. <laughs> you know, it, it just, it's, it's a, a fast, uh, fast moving thing. So I, I, started, I started saying to myself, you know, what can I bring to the world that is truly unique? And for anyone listening, the most unique thing is you. You know, how can you bring yourself to the world? Because nobody can copy that. And you don't have to copy anything to be yourself. So I started saying, okay, I'm going to bring what I truly am. And that's why I went back to my story, back to the music, back to the training, yeah. combined them. Um, and then, of course, the question is, well, how, how can I help people with this unique thing that is truly mine that nobody can ever take away from me? So that's changed my yeah. life. Yeah. And right, you ask yourself better questions, you get better answers, right? And you start, uh, <laughs> start yeah. driving towards uh, more important things. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your common enemy, right? Every hero has the enemy, the things they fight against all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so in, in the context of your business, which is you're helping, um, helping bigger, cust- bigger companies work with teams and HR, yeah. right? What, if, if you had a magic wand that you could just sort of wave and remove a mindset or something that is holding your clients back from getting really great results that you run into all the time, right? You find yourself repeating yourself and talking about this all the time. What would that one thing that you constantly fight against with your customer base be? Yeah. I don't know if it's the customer themselves that has this problem, but it's, it's just the noise in the marketplace. Okay. I would say that the number one problem is the noise in the marketplace. And going back to what I actually just said, um, you know, the technologies that we have today, uh, the social platforms, they are so <laughs> powerful that you can do, everybody now has the tools to get their message out at the same time. I mean, my, 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 my biggest analogy for this is that in my lifetime alone, I've experienced music make that shift of technologies. There was a time when you couldn't do a, a demonstration record. It's called a demo. You couldn't make mm-hmm. a song without going into a huge multi-track studio where like the board is as big as like the whole room and yeah. pay hundreds of dollars per hour, you know, just to get this little tape done, <laughs> you know, and then you, you know, you'd send that to record labels. And of course they all say no. <laughs> and then you start over. Yeah. And that was the music industry back then. But just a few years have gone by and the technology is such that on my iPhone here, I have GarageBand 
that is more powerful than a $100,000 studio just a few years ago on my little iPhone here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah, and so if you think about it, everybody has tools, so everybody's making noise. Everybody, look, you go on YouTube and type guitar player, oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> the talent that you're going to see is off the chain. I mean, back in the day, if you were looking for a, a guitar player, it, you'd, it'd be hard to find one. You know, it's like, where can I go yeah. to find somebody who's talented at something? Go to YouTube and anything you want, there's someone who can do that thing so well, it's ridiculous. So that's yeah. the new landscape of competition that we're in. And in this competitive, you know, scenario, Trying to talk to a customer is like trying to shout above the crowd. And it's, it's almost impossible to do that, right? Especially when what you're selling is something that everybody else is selling, right? And so the, the challenge for all of us and for me has been, how do, I, how do I create something so unique that the minute you hear about it, you're going to be hooked and you're going to want to hear more at the expense of all the noise, you know, uh, on the market. And that's where I came up with this. I, you know, a friend of mine said, you know, you should just call yourself Dr. Pillay. Before I, you know, I never thought about it. He said, your, your brand is Dr. Pillay. This friend has passed away. He's, he's a very dear friend. And, um, you know, you know, he said, you're Dr. Pillay. And so I said, okay, fine. I'm Dr. Pillay. And it has really worked because, you know, people say, why don't you just call yourself Pillay? You know, why are you, you know, putting the three letters in front of your name? I'm like, dude, after you spent $100,000 on your degree, you come tell me that you're not going to use it every chance you get, right? So, yeah. so, so I've, I've, I've totally come up with this persona. I wear a hat. I always wear a cool fedora hat. You know, I got my t-shirt or my, or my thing. And I've built this whole thing around this guy called Dr. Pillay, right? Who's a storyteller a musician and a teacher. That's it. And it's working for me because I stand out in that noisy marketplace. You know, absolutely. That's the back to your story, right? So yes. when you have a powerful story, um, look, my cat's come to join us. We just yes. adopted a new cat. Yes, so that's our, our new, our new cat we adopted. Um, but anyways, your, your, uh, your story is what allows you to stand out in the marketplace. Yes, right? because you have a unique story and that unique story allows you to stand above the crowd. Yes. And for anybody who's listening, you have to create that story. You have to construct it. It's there in your life somewhere, but you got to put that together in a cinematic way. It's got to be performed, you know, like, look, you and I can tell the same sequence and sequence of events. But if I put cinema and movie telling or storytelling, I like to say, into it, it'll sound better. And that's what you got to do. You got to act out that story. You know, the world almost died. And then I arose and became myself, (laughs) you know, whatever. But that's the kind of stuff that brings magic to your story. But I tell you, every one of us has a story. Yeah, I tell people all the time that uh, you should practice your stories. Right. Like when you, when you're out networking, when you're meeting new people, your the goal of networking is to share stories with each other. Right. And the more stories you share with someone and the more of their stories you hear, the better you know each other. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's a, a powerful thing. If you can, you know, pick a few of your stories that you, you tell all the time and 
work on them, change them, make them better. See how people react to things when you tell different details and stuff like that. And you'll start to really hone in your storytelling skills. As you become a better storyteller, you become a better business person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, you know, that, that, whole, um, that whole noise as an enemy thing was why I wrote my, my current book, which is called Big Ticket Clients. And mm -hmm. um, the subtitle is You Can't Catch a Whale with a Worm. Um, you know, and, and the point I was trying to make with that is. Do you catch them with plankton? Well, plankton, but it's got to be lots <laughs> of plankton. Lots and lots. That you, you have one little plankton or one little worm. It's not going to work. And you have people who are going after big ticket companies like I do. Big ticket clients. That's why I called the book Big Ticket Clients. Using the same kind of spammy emails. Those little emails where they send out and say, hey you should sign up to my product, click here and I'll give you this and I'll give you that. Those little emails, those are worms. What you yeah. need, what you need to get big ticket clients is relationships with them, right? Relationships. That's where podcasting is powerful. Um, being able to talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, all of those things. But th the point is, you know, you can't catch a whale with a worm was my creative cinematic way of bringing some life into what I was, my story, what I was actually living in real life. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I wanna flip that whole conversation, right? So if, if, uh, if your common enemy is the thing you fight against, your driving force is the thing you fight for, right? So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, <laughs> yeah. what is it that you, Dr. Pele, fight for in your business? Well, I fight for helping people get back to happy. That's it. We've, we've all lost happy. We, we started our lives, most of us, with happy. And then somewhere along the way, someone told us, don't get your hopes up. Yeah. That's what happened, right? That your dad told you that. My dad told me, let me tell you what my dad did. My dad took my, I had lots of musical instruments, you know, I was collecting them. And he got mad at me one day and said I wasn't studying. And he broke my guitar, smashed my keyboard. I mean, he, he threw my instruments just all over the place, out of the house, and told me to go study. You know what? If you come to my house, Richard, we, I, have like, I have a grand piano, about five keyboards, about 10 guitars, huge multi-track recording studio. It's ridiculous. And it's because... <laughs> It's because he told me I couldn't do it. And the yeah. I've lived a lifetime trying to prove that wrong. Um, so I want people to find happy first before they find success. If, if, if playing your guitar makes you happy, keep doing that until you find a way to use it to help other people. Because Absolutely. Happiness, happiness is really where profit begins. It's not the other way around. So I have, I have a, uh, a baby. She is 11 months old right now. Um, she's my fourth one. So I've, had, I've done this a number of times. And one of the things that really, really strikes me about babies, at, especially at her age, right? Because she's up and she's moving. She's walking around. She's learning to couple, say a couple of words. Mm -hmm. Is She is uh, like unstoppably happy, baby. right? 
she's got a you know she's got a cold right now she's got like snot running out of her nose and she can't breathe and she's having a hard time breastfeeding and all that stuff because she can't like she can't breathe her whole upper respiratory system is all messed up from this cold yeah and if all it takes you just look at her and smile and her face just lights up like her like they don't smile with just their 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 lips right they smile with their whole body yeah and there is a level of happiness that babies and young children have that like as a parent my goal in life is like how do i keep that yeah through their whole life Absolutely. because because i think like, to your point that is what's going to help any of my children be successful is keeping that little spark of joy that is just that unbridled joy that you can't you can't uh, you can't douse it right it doesn't matter what's happened to her she falls over hits her face on the ground she gets up she's smiling Right. And how many of us fall over in business and don't stand up and smile and keep going? There you go. You know, people think that people say things like I am happy or I am not happy. Um, And that's absolutely the worst thing you can tell yourself because you're programming yourself the wrong way. And I'll explain. I wrote a song called I got happy. Okay. Because happiness is something you do. It's something you, you, it's a skill that you actually implement into the world. It's not something that you just are. So if you just say, I am happy or I am not happy, it's almost like you're, you're, you're accepting that this is just a feeling that comes over you sometimes, or, you know, it magically appears when you're rich or, but happiness is an active thing that you do every single day. And if you, It's it's a choice that you make and it's a thing you do. Right. And so, um, you know, back to your, your question, that would be my mission is to help people. I even have a, a, a five-step plan for how to be happy every single day by, by implementing this, 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 and that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm, I'm almost curious to know what your plan is. Well, <laughs> you know, I can tell you real are. quick, five steps. Step number one is H, right? Focus on your heart and your head and be heedful. At all times, that's called basically mindfulness. So if you're into uh, meditation and things like that, things that allow your mind to really be introspective, it's a good thing to practice every single day. 10 minutes, H. A is appreciation. Another 10 minutes of just savoring and being expressing gratitude for the things you have. Stop worrying about the things you don't have for 10 minutes and just relive and just... Mm, breathe in all the beauty that you you have appreciation that's a p is practice right practice the hard formula h-a-r-d which is how adversity reveals destiny right look for all opportunities in your life where something went wrong and try to find out what the flip side of that beauty could be so practice that every day then the second p is people you probably know what this is spelling, right? H-A-P-P-Y. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The second P is people. Make community with others. Show generosity to others. Build relationships because that is our real superpower is quality relationships with people. And then the Y is say yes to yourself. Always say yes, I can. And yes, I will. And if you say it long enough, it'll become true. That's, That's really good. That's happening. So, so uh, Mark, if you're listening to us, make note of that. Make sure that gets into our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> the formula for happiness. Um, I, I love it. One of the things that, uh, um, that I practice is uh, something I call contented ambition. 
Mm. Um, and I always, I've always looked at, uh, um, there seems to be these, this, these two camps that um, in order to be happy, you either need to have condition, you know, you need to be content and not have ambition or you need to have something you're fighting for. You need to have ambition. It's like never the twain shall meet. Yeah. Um, and, and I've always been of the opinion that if you want to actually be happy, you need to understand, like you need to be content with what you have now, what your life looks like now, where you're at, even if you're in the middle of adversity because of the perspective and the stories and the stuff that are going to come out of that, they're going to make you into the person you're going to be, right? Learning how to be content here yeah. and also learning how to look forward and have, have a destination, have a journey you're taking. Right. If you're on a journey to go somewhere to be better, to, you know, ripen on the vine, as they say, yeah. um, you know, then uh, um, you your life will be far more filled with joy than if you um, either don't have a place you're going, you're not going anywhere or if you're not content with your area. So um, I always practice and preach contented ambition. I love that. <laughs> That's powerful. <laughs> I hope so. Hope it's helped me at least. Um, but yeah, I love the happy formula. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down and stick it up somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Teach my and, kids. And just just go ahead and you know share it. It's gonna be in a book coming up soon. You know, so just tell them Dr. Pele sent you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to get in and talk a little bit about uh, some practical things for growing your business. Right, we call this your hero hero's tool belt. Right, just like you know maybe you got a big magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer, or maybe you got a cool belt with all sorts of cool things like Batman. Right, mm-hmm. um, or maybe you just really love how Evernote helps you organize your thoughts. What are some of the the practical tools you use every day in your business that you just you couldn't manage either your client relationships, your marketing, or the stuff that you do on a daily basis? You just couldn't live without today. You have one or two of those tools that you just that pop into mind immediately. You're like, yep, couldn't live without this. Yeah, I have five. Um, exactly. Five. five. Yeah, <laughs> and and it has an acronym too. You'll notice that I do a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, lots uh, of acronyms. In my last book, uh, Big Ticket Clients, I used this particular uh, process. Now, every time I open my computer, every single day, as you said, um, my folders are arranged in this uh, S T O R Y, right? And the S T O R Y. So, for example, you know, I'm looking at my folders right now. Um, inside of the S is where I put all information that relates to strangers, right? This is how I run my business, right? S-T-O-R-Y. Okay. So inside my strangers, you know, folder, I have, you know, emails and all my stuff that I sent to them, my Facebook marketing, my LinkedIn uh, uh, marketing, all the automations I'm using, my websites, the things that strangers connect with. They don't know me. I don't know them. And I have Mm. to, those things that I do, they have to have a certain psychology behind them, right? Um, People who don't know you need to learn about you from something, you know, like email or maybe like uh, an event or or a Facebook ad. So that's where those go. Now, the second folder on my computer here is uh, trust, right? So people need to go from being strangers to trusting you. And there again, you need tools and technologies that allow people to build t- trust. You want to know what's in my trust folder? My podcast. Because yeah. when people show up um, and they first hear about me through a book or something or whatever the stranger's phase was, when they get into the trust phase, they watch you talk and they see you, that grows the trust, even though you don't see them in person. So I, instead of calling it content marketing, I call it building trust. 
using podcasts. That's my podcasts are my go-to methodology for content marketing and building trust. Then my third folder is called the offer folder. So that's S T O, right? So inside my yeah. offer folder, I have all my presentations, right? So I have a webinar uh, that I've built. It's a 40 minute webinar, just like everybody else's, <laughs> but I, I talk about my, my, my story, my stuff and what I'm selling. I have sales letters. I have, the YouTube videos where I'm pitching things, that's all in my offer phase. Then the next um, folder, the fourth one is results, right? So now we're talking about, you've now got people who trust you, who have become, have listened to your offer and have said yes to become a customer. And now all my methodologies for making my customers successful is in my results folder. So I've got clients folder, I've got a partner's pro folder, projects folder in there. And then the why, the very last one, S-T-O-R-Y, is my referrals. It's all about how do I get people to tell the story of me, right? You, right? You know, they, they're telling yeah. the story of you in the marketplace. So I have testimonials. I have my referral partners. All the videos I've done, all the websites that I've built that are about telling my story to new customers. So that's my cycle. Strangers who trust me, to whom I show an offer who some of them say, yes, I'll be a client. So I give them a result. And then I, I, help, I get those people to go back out and tell my story, the story of you. So that's, okay. those, that's I, feel, I feel like that needs to be a book too. That book is called Big Ticket Clients. You can't catch a whale with a worm. It's already out. It's on Amazon. In fact, it was the number one, was a number one Amazon bestseller. So I'm very proud of that book. But, but right there, I can't live without it. And, and the way I, the way I do that is I, actually force it. It's right here on my folder. It's in my folder. It's not just something I teach. I put, I organize my life in those five buckets because that's how I, that's what I do every day. Look for strangers to become trust, the trusted people to my offer and to my results and so on and so forth. That's, that is, that is brilliant. And I know it's, 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 it's really cool because that's, those are the five things that we all need to be doing. Yep. Um, and to your point, you just told a story about how those fit in. And it really gives something to hang those things right. The stories give you a framework to, um, to understand the, the principles that you hear other places. Um, yep. So that's a, a very good practical lesson on how to uh, actually take your marketing things and put them in a, you know, understand where they fit in your story. Yep, and so, so, so big the book is called Big Ticket Clients. Um, and you go to bigticketclients.com but I also have a, a website called bigticketstory.com where you can implement your story, your S-T-O-R-Y. Nice. Nice. Yeah. We'll have to check all those out. We'll make sure all those links get in the, uh, in the show notes too. <laughs> yeah. Because um, that's good stuff. Okay. So talk a little bit about your own personal heroes for, for a few minutes. I know you've mentioned your mom a couple of times already, but just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, who were some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors? Were they speakers, authors, peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your life? Well, my number one uh, hero, if you will, is Pele of Brazil, because um, not only was he the greatest soccer player and not only was I named after him, but he was asked once uh, in an interview. I actually, well, well, yeah, he was asked once in an interview, um, well, what is it that makes you so great? And he said one word. He said practice. That's it. Practice. Um, I have never 
nothing can, there's nothing anyone has ever told me that's more powerful than that because anything we put our minds to and we practice, we can actually achieve well within reason. Um, so he would definitely be a hero. I mean, he stopped a civil war for 48 hours. You know, the Nigerian government and the Biafran government, it's in Time Magazine online, if you search this. In 1967, he said he was going to come to Africa and play an exhibition match, and they stopped killing each other for 48 hours, two days. That's how powerful his name was in the world. And when they asked him, how is it that you're so great? He said, practice. So I would put him as number one. Of course, my mother and my father, because my father, um, you know, has passed on, but, you know, he, he's the PhD guy. And um, I've modeled my whole life after him without knowing it, because I'm a teacher too. He, you know, he was, he was a teacher. Yeah. Um, as far as people that are not that close to me, I would say Les Brown is huge for me. I don't know if you've heard of Les Brown. He's a, yeah, he's a motivational speaker. I met him. He hired me to be his, uh, the marketing consultant guy. And um, I, I have to say, I worked under greatness. Another guy is the late Dennis Green of uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, he came into my life and bought me my first recording studio in the 90s, myself and a partner. He literally spent like $50,000, built us a studio, and he just, he really liked it. He loved music and he invested in us. So those are the people I would count who really made a big deal in my life or been a big deal in my life yeah absolutely and it's it's interesting how like every time we have someone on to and do these interviews the answer is always so different right there's and you realize how important there's there's certain relationships you don't realize how much they're going to impact your life um, but to your point earlier relationships are such a key aspect of success yeah. right and i know that for for those of us who are in this this entrepreneur business especially with all the internet stuff we tend to get into a little solopreneur you know yeah. bubbles yeah. and don't get ourselves out in those places and realize that you know the, how important it is to make time for creating and building and working on relationships because you never know which ones of those are really going to have a huge impact on your growth and your success yeah everything i've ever lost that i that i felt man i could have done that it, it was it was because of a relationship that failed uh, and yeah. everything that I've ever gained that was just, that is powerful for me is because of relationships that went right. So yeah. no man is an island. No woman is an island. It's relationships. Awesome. Well, I want to bring it home for our listeners a little bit and talk about guiding principles, right? So top one or two principles or actions that you put into place every day that you really think contribute to the success and the influence of your brand. Uh, maybe something you wish you had known when you started out on this journey, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Well, number one is my, is my family. Um, I love my wife to the ends of the earth. Uh, and so I always celebrate that, celebrate my wife. And um, I, I make sure that my kids also know how much I love them. So that's absolutely my daily practice is I love you, honey, <laughs> you know, tired of hearing that after 17 years, but um, uh, that's number one, because that's your, that's my, that's my ground zero. That's my bedrock. That's my foundation. Um, the number two thing with respect to my business is I would have to say, I'm finally doing what I was called to do, which is I'm using music and teaching. Um, 
to help others. That's it. Um, it it's taken me a long time to make it that simple, but it's really just <laughs> that simple. And um, so, so I'm really proud to be here now. Yeah. Curious question. How, how many kids do you have now? We have, we have three kids. Um, we have an 18 year old, a, uh, uh, a 14 year old recently. Now she's just turned 14 and then a 10 year old who's going to be 11. So my, one of my kids is grown. She's in university now, but uh, yeah, yeah. Mine, uh, mine are, are younger. My oldest is 10. So I've got 10 and six and three and my baby. There you so, go. so we got a ways to go before we have, uh, we hit the uh, wonderful teenage years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I gotta tell you, the thing that's like super exciting to me right now is like my oldest one just hit 10 years old. And like we've we've gone over a hump in life where like before that age, you do a lot more. I, I don't know how to say this like properly, but like you do more parenting, like you do things with them and it's for them. Mm-hmm. And and like now he can do stuff like with me right? that doesn't require as much parenting. It can be more. I don't, I don't know what the, the term is like we can go kayaking or hiking together and it's not like me helping him go up all the rocks or yeah. doing all the things it's like we can actually enjoy some of those activities together which is super cool i'm looking forward to more of that as they grow old grow older absolutely <laughs> absolutely it's a it's a good story good fun yeah so last thing we do on this show all the time is called the hero challenge simple challenge we do on every show um and it's basically this do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with our audience on the show? I know a guy called Matt, who I think you know as well. If you want me to stick with only first names, I will. <laughs> but I think Matt's just doing something really important in the world, really cool. Um, he's he's uh, creating a new brand. Um, he, and he's starting it the way I, I would start anything, which is first write the book. And the reason yeah. is because if you want to if you want to really influence people, you have to start by influencing their minds and their hearts. And if you can write a book and lead the way, it's almost like, you know, the Bible is the first, it's the book that it touches you first before you could do other things. So Matt's doing that. And he also is a podcast host. I just think he's doing very well. And um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, for, for guests listening, Matt Johnson and his book, micro famous um, good stuff. He's a, he's a really cool guy. I do need to have him on the, uh, the show. I hadn't, hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, we have, we have that, we have him we in have common. We should common, definitely yeah. invite him on. Yeah. Matt was on my show and we had a really good conversation. Um, other people just, I would say anyone who has finally found the formula that lets them make money doing something they love. I mean, it is, it is important. You know, I'm not encouraging people to just quit everything and go do what you love. It's got to help someone else because that's where the money's going to come from. If you're not helping people, then it's just, you know, passion without profit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so purpose so, has to connect passion and profit. Absolutely. Um, and I was just thinking about it. I was trying to remember because I know I've done a number of interviews with Matt um, mm-hmm. over the years. And I think we did actually do an interview with him on the show. So if you're, uh, if you're listening and you want to find Matt, we did an episode with Matt Johnson on episode oh. 39. I can't remember exactly what we talked about because it was like a year ago. Year ago but yeah, yeah. He's, a, yeah, he's definitely doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. So last thing, Dr. Pele, where can people find you? 
right? If they're looking to hire you or looking to work with you, where can they find you? And I guess more importantly, who are the right types of people to reach out if they're looking for help? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, um, if you are in a company and you are in a role uh, such as chief learning officer or chief human resources officer, or you're a business unit leader, and it's your responsibility to make sure that your teams are effective and people actually implement what they learn from all this team training stuff that everybody goes to, leadership training, um, then you would be uh, the right candidate, if you will, for a conversation with me about how we can use what I call music-based training, which is scientifically validated. Neuroscience is really powerful stuff that can really help people learn how to be better team players and successful, profitable team players. So um, the best way to reach me is my website, drpele.com, and that's simply D-R-P-E-L-E.com. And uh, LinkedIn is the next best thing, which is basically go to LinkedIn, type in Dr. Pele, or I think it's LinkedIn forward slash I-N forward slash D-R-P-E-L-E. Everybody has an I-N in front of their, their name. Yeah. So yeah, LinkedIn Absolutely. or my website. Yeah. So if you're, if you're one of those people, if you have a team and, or you're responsible for a team in your organization, uh, definitely take the chance to reach out to Dr. Pele. This is a second time I've gotten the chance to talk to him and he's blown me away every time I've gotten the chance to oh, speak with same him. Here, so, same here. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely encourage you to reach out if you're in that position um, and, and learn from him, right? I think you could absolutely um, make an impact in your business. And I know how important to him that ripple effect is of him bringing value and seeing your business bring value to your customers. So last thing here, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience before we hit that uh, little stop record button? I, I would say, if you can, listen to Richard. He's a good man. <laughs> that's, my, <laughs> that's the last word for me. Is I, I always enjoy talking with you, Richard. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you very much.